You're having a threesome with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers. And now, it's complicated. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. And I am Rob. So you know how you ask your friends where you should take your first date? What on earth this text means? And if it's okay to post a certain pic on the socials? Well, that's what we call your village, and we think you can't date or relate without them. Welcome to our village, and you should be pumped to be here because we are bringing you expert guests who are filled with all the answers that will take some of the guessing out of the game. Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends so we can help the village grow even bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend. Toxic relationships are the new boy who cried wolf. Are you really in one or are you just throwing around that popular buzzworthy term? And you guys, it's probably one of the most overused terms like in general and especially on social media, which is why we need to be able to correctly identify it in order to stop it, fix it, or leave it behind. It's a very common issue that most people experience, although... Most of those people aren't even aware that they are guilty of the same behaviors themselves. Are there any toxic behaviors that we are guilty of ourselves that we want to come clean with girls? I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm sure everybody could say one. I'm a, I'm a guilty of stonewalling. Oh, okay. What's Mm -hmm. stonewalling is just being stubborn and then not letting go. Silent treatment when I'm mad. You you don't want to admit that you're wrong? Mm Mm-mm. Got it. Or just silent treatment. Oh. Uh, Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay, Jen. Um, I would say justifying because I feel like I have an explanation for my motivations for things. But at the same time, I know that that seems to be something that could be a negative. I think we're going to probably learn a lot more about how that, you know, plays itself out in a toxic manner. But to me, that always seemed like I'm just giving context for a choice. But here we are. Anyway, Rob, you? I've been made aware that I have controlling issues. And it's not more of like, don't do that or don't do that. It's more of, I think it's more of being like protective, but it also feeds into my insecurities that you, uh, that everybody's going to leave me. Mm, so that point. might fall under like manipulation or gaslighting. We'd have to dive a little deeper. I don't think gaslighting, but I'm excited to hear more about what, and like go into depth because I know there's 80% of the population out there uses these terms and don't know what the fuck they mean. Exactly. Right. That's why exactly. we're doing So to clear things up, we have Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick in to discuss self-awareness around toxic behavior, the definitions of common toxic behavior terms, and how to identify them, and tips for how to address and correct the behaviors if you and your partner are guilty of being toxic. Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick is a relationship and intimacy coach and specializes in emotional and physical intimacy, relationship barriers, communication skills, and helping her clients to break the toxic cycle of and address dysfunctional relational behaviors. Dr. Fedrick seeks to provide her clients with relatable and not judgmental coaching that helps to normalize the struggles that they are facing and while simultaneously assisting them to obtain the tools they need to address these issues and improve their relational functioning with themselves and with others. Very important. In addition to providing coaching service, Dr. Fedrick is a professor at Grand Canyon University where she teaches behavioral health and psychology coach courses. She also hosts a relationship-based podcast, Relatable, Relationships Unfiltered, and a mental health podcast, Calm, Cool, and Connected. 
She presents mental health talks and media interviews, both in person and virtually. She's been on things like Good Day LA, Us Weekly, various podcasts, you name it. She's been there, as well as contributes to mental health articles for various media outlets, as seen in Oprah Daily, Hello, Self Magazine, um, excuse me, Cosmopolitan, HuffPost, and more. We've also talked about her previously on this show, so Dr. Frederick gets around, and for good reason. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this show definitely equates to Oprah Daily and Self Magazine what and Cosmopolitan and the Huff Post. <laughs> she is incredibly passionate about bringing awareness and relatability to relationship struggles. She is committed to providing insights, guidance, and support to assist individuals in understanding and addressing dysfunctional relationship patterns, as well as to help them work towards a healthier and more evolved way of connecting with others. Okay, you guys, so if you want to unpack that suitcase filled with buzzworthy relationship words about your narcissistic, gaslighting, toxic partner, then look no further because we have a doctor in the house who is here to help you get it straight and get it together. Welcome to the show, Dr. Frederick. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I was actually really excited when you guys tagged me in the clip of the other episode that you did, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. So it was I was an honor to be asked to come. Yeah, well, I'm, we're excited to have you. I'm excited to have you. As the resident boy of the podcast, there's a lot of things we'll be talking about today, which will be very educational for me because I've either been called them or I have called other people them and I have no, I, it's, it's going to be a good catharsis for me, for sure. Also, I mean, yeah. I think your posts are so digestible that it's really easy, one, to look at it, interpret it, maybe share it, if you will, and spread the word. I think the fact that like there's a rise of um, social media posts that have to do with therapy and we're making it more common to talk about it and not such a taboo thing. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but we're a podcast about this stuff. But when people are actually sharing it on social media and getting the good word out, if you will, you know, I think that helps make the world a better place, especially one to date in. So as we know, we all have triggers, red flags, all of the things that make us human and somehow we survive anyway, but we all engage in toxic behaviors from time to time, big or small, they're varying degrees, obviously, but this is a common thing amongst human beings. It's like a flop. It is what it is, right? Everybody does it. Right. And it's, it's so true. And that's like the first and foremost place. So when we're talking about toxic behaviors today, let's just start by saying that we all fucking do it. And so stop pointing fingers, stop, being the victim, stop being, you know, the martyr, the excuses, the, all of that, like that just drives me crazy because the fact is we are all on one, like we're both on each side of it just at different times. Um, and that was the whole point of that post was to say like, it's really important that if we're going to keep pointing the fingers that we understand what we're actually saying. And then also for the person who is constantly playing the victim role in this, like you're not powerless. Why do you keep going back to the gaslighter? Why do you keep going back to the manipulator? You know, so that's kind of where I often stand, as you guys know, with a lot of my posts of like both sides, uh, both, both perspectives are valid. Yeah. I'm also interested in figuring out like what people use as a weapon. I know that this gaslighting one is something that people use all the time and they use it as a weapon to say like, you're doing this to me. And it's like, no, you actually are wrong or you are actually remembering this wrong. You know, like just because it's like when it's, it's the turning the tables thing that kind of gets 
gets me riled up. But we always ask the question before we go any further, we have to know, are you single taken or is it complicated? Well, I'm single, but it's clearly complicated almost all of the time. So, (laughs) but yes, officially I identify as single. Okay, good. Good to know. Yeah, that's a good starting point. Also, like, don't you think that being single, taken, it's complicated. Having a label for those things kind of facilitates this world of labeling toxic behaviors and then these fighting words people say at each other and point fingers and blame each other. Like, well, I'm single and you're a gaslighter. Like, okay, I also have brown No, because single is a state of being. Single is either you're with somebody or you're not. But then there are people <laughs> that don't want to be labeled. There's gender roles that are gone. All I, the things no, are gone. That's, I think you're stretching the rubber band a little too thin on that one, Jen. You're gaslighting me. But unfortunately, <laughs> but unfortunately, single has a negative connotation in our society. It's like, oh, you're single? What's wrong? Like, it's not, we talk about it all the time on the show, Liz, like, it doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. If it's something that you don't want to be and you're striving for a partnership, then I understand how that might be annoying to you at times, but there's not, it's not negative in its own right. Being single has a lot of great things that go. Well, unless you're the victim of being single, then you see it a different way. But I guess I'm single and and I don't identify as a victim. I very much take ownership of my singleness. So that's, um, (laughs) yeah, I, I choose not to be in a committed relationship. And I, I do agree that being single is often looked at, um, kind of like the, what's wrong with you. I think Mm -hmm. that the defectiveness has been, um, you know, goes hand in hand with that. But I do think that is starting to shift because being, as we're starting to see being single, doesn't mean that you're bad at relationships and being in a relationship doesn't mean you're good at relationships. It's just really, I guess I do agree with Robin this point of like, it is a bit of a state of being. So that might be the last time I agree with you. So don't. No, no, no. It it, it seems it's a trend. Trust me. As we get going further and further, you'll be saying that plenty, I think. Uh, Well, if you are single and you don't want to be, or you're in a relationship and you're having issues, we are going to go through these toxic behaviors and talk about what they are so we can all get fucking clear on what you guys are throwing around because you probably have no idea what you're saying. And then we're going to talk about how we can fix these potential things. So let's start with deflection. Okay. Okay, so that's redirecting the focus of the conversation to something or someone else when confronted with behaviors or mistakes in an attempt to avoid taking ownership wait, and wait, accountability. Wait, let's start with right? deflection, but I want to list I want to list these out quick. Just so people can be like, "Oh yeah, that one. Oh, the, oh, I know that one. I know what that is." And then we'll come back to deflection, okay, go for it. right? And then we could talk. So there's deflection, okay, so which is pretty self-obvious, I think. There's gaslighting, which is what we're going to really get into because people use that shit all the time. There's manipulation, justifying, victim mentality. They all seem to go together a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, love bombing, breadcrumbing. Oh, that's another one I want to get into. Uh, double bind. Sounds like sounds, a sex position. Sounds sounds <laughs> intriguing. Uh, and then there's stonewall, stonewalling and antagonizing. Okay, they all seem to have. They all seem to be related. Right. And absolutely, because the related part of it is that someone is often trying to get you to question your reality um, to maybe make a point or to get their way or so they are all related. But 
But on that note, I I just want to add as well, they're not always done on the conscious level. So I I want to, that's important to say, because Mm. just briefly to talk about throughout our upbringings, we develop something called our adaptive child. And basically what that is, is these traits that we adapt to our environment. They are how we survive our environment. And so for humans, the thing we crave the most is connection and acceptance. And early on, that's from our primary caregiver. When we're when we don't receive it in the way that we need it, we develop these traits in order to feel accepted or connected or to get those needs met, really to combat rejection. And so for a lot of people in romantic relationships in adulthood, they end up using these different skills, so to speak, in order to get their needs met. So I I do like to make that distinction that not everybody who does this is being, is, you know, like pathological. (laughs) Sometimes they're doing it to get their needs met. And also, couldn't it be like, to your point about the upbringing and all that, like a sense of modeling, because I now look at my mother and she did something even today where I'm like, woman, that is so manipulative in the approach and also just antagonizing and all these things that I, I had re- read this outline that we put together. And I was oh, like, your Wait. poor mom got, got a, got a full dose right after you read the outline. No, I actually, with everything, I didn't you? no, actually I didn't because I know that it sends us down a path that doesn't help anybody because she's now shut off. She's done her due diligence in terms of what she wants to accomplish. She's pointed the finger. She's turned it around on me. She's now stonewalling me. She's antagonizing me again because I've told her I don't want to talk and she comes back for more. So it's this whole process. And I'm like, okay, this has to happen and your foundation, because if I'm looking at it at my mom, I know that there's a p- ton of people in the world who probably had similar moms or dads or dynamics, siblings, whatever the case may be to survive. They either adapted to what they did or reacted to what they did to get their needs met somehow, or just to, you know, slip through the night and get out safely. <laughs> but right. so if you were to, you know, go through that list, are there some, you know, like you said, not everybody's pathological. Sometimes it just happens. Are there some that are completely deal breakers? Like you absolutely cannot proceed if somebody does this one, this one, and this one, especially if it's a combination potentially, or are they all ones that you can work through? I believe that they're all ones that you can work through. I believe that it depends on where they are on the spectrum. And I also believe that what matters the most is the person's self-awareness around doing it. So for example, if like, in your situation, if your mom used all of those traits throughout your upbringing, there's a good chance you probably use some of those as well. But if a romantic partner were to say to you, like, hey, I'm feeling manipulated because of the way you're saying that right now, and you were to say, oh, shit, yep, no, you're right. Like, I, the way I handled that was manipulative. And you're willing to shift and um, really pivot accordingly to a healthier approach to it, then it's not a deal breaker. The deal breaker is when you have no awareness around it, you have no willingness to change it, and instead you continue to make the other person feel crazy. That's the deal breaker. Well, isn't it also important to like uh, – look, look, it seems like a lot of people these day, days are their own psychologists or they went, they feel like they went to school and got a degree in this shit. Well, Instagram, because, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. Also, people are just automatically saying that shit out to people in the middle of a fight or an argument and they're not and both people aren't educated. So they automatically take it as an insult. And also why are you fucking diagnosing me? 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like so, you should you, you shouldn't be fucking saying that stuff at all because you're doing it now. So like they they should come listen to your show. They should listen to what you know. See somebody with your expertise, get educated, and then come back and have like an adult conversation about it. Because right now, oh my god, it pisses me off when people just start throwing out terms and they have no idea what the fuck they're talking well, about. And I think like Liz was saying, a really huge part of this is is taking ownership over when you do it too, because I am in, I'm married and I've been in a relationship for like seven years. And this comes up a lot. Like we will get in an argument and like my husband will say like, see, you're doing that. I I can't stand the hypocrisy. Like you do this thing like tit for tat or whatever. And I'm like, dude, you do it too. But then if I do it, I'm doing tit for tat back to him. And I'm trying to say like, we all do it. Let's just focus on right now. Like nobody's perfect. But yeah, the ability to admit like, yes, I've done that before, or now I'm doing it, or there's a behavioral pattern here where that happens a lot for you, vice versa. Like, I think it's important to just all admit that we all play a role in this. So when you're like Rob was saying, throwing out these terms that are like, they're not disarming at all. Like it's very, people will get on. Well, the you should, you should never in your argument say like, you are right. It's always, I feel sure. very right? good. I Look feel. at you. Yeah. You've been all right. Well, I will, quite a bit, huh? I will see you guys later. I'm finished. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's an emotionally you intelligent graduated. as I will get today. Graduated. So I, uh, you are officially a master dater, okay. Rob. Congratulations. Right. There we go. So let's get into like some of the one, some of the terms Liz that you think are like, maybe super buzzworthy overused, like talk about what they mean and like maybe an approach to how to fix it. If you find yourself in that situation, like also what one before, you start, before you start, I want you to know that we have all three in the gambit here. I'm single by choice. Jen is dating. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> you, I like that when you said that you're like by choice. Okay. You choose to be, I like Are it. Are you so, justifying then, Rob? No, I'm just saying I'm not like I'm not actively out there being like, please date me to people and they're not doing it. So or or that I'm getting dumped left and right. Um, Jen, Jen is in a new new ish relationship. It's been about six months, right? Committed, though. It's It's eight and a half and we live together. But yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so committed. Well, they just moved in. And it it happened quick. The whole thing from start to finish to start to now has been eight months. Oh, Jen, how are you feeling right now? Are you feeling a little judged or like... (laughs) How is- <laughs> Honestly, I never no. listen to them anyway. <laughs> Jen's got this whole thing on a, on a Q4 clock going on. Like she's. I'll be she, engaged in Q3 guys. Q3. Yeah. yeah. She did tell me that she did tell me she was getting I'll engaged. You all Q3. Right. I was like, way to take the, way to and take Lauren the and Lauren has uh, two children under the age of five oh, and wow. uh, under, under the, the age, age of, three of three and has been married. How long have you guys been married? Like three years. So there's, there's, there's us. That's us. So, so go back to Lauren's question, but just so you know, you have all the audience here for all of it. Okay. So gaslighting would be the first and foremost overused term that gets thrown out. Um, And gaslighting is getting somebody to second guess their reality. And so what that might look like is, well, you told me that you were going to come at five today. And they're like, I never said that. I That never even happened. I said I would be there at seven. I told you it. And so it becomes this back and forth. But does that not sound like a very typical argument? 
right? I mean, that's a very common thing. I was going to say that's every relationship I've ever been in. Yes. And so that is where it starts to get overused because a misunderstanding is not gaslighting. Gaslighting is when you are intentionally fucking with someone to get them to it. And so we call it like crazy making behavior. Mm. So where you're constantly making them second guess their reality. So then they don't know up from down. Um, and a lot of times that happens by, because that person is defending themselves. This is a very common behavior for somebody with narcissistic tendencies. Um, and they can't be wrong right? Mm -hmm. Like they can't, they just can't live with that idea. And so then they will use this tactic to try to get people to not tell them they're wrong. Is that why people always say that gaslighting is not real? Like, like it doesn't exist because it's so common that it's like, you're just blanketing the entire, like how people argue basically. Yeah. And, and it does, it does exist because it does, we've all been gaslit. Like it, it does exist. But going back to my earlier point, it's not always intentional when somebody does it, and it's not always gaslighting. Right. Right. I have a real-life example I'm happy to share because it still tortures me to this day. Um, I was told I'm really high-maintenance by an ex-boyfriend. I was also told Mm -hmm. I asked for too much. Mind you, the ask I actually made was like, I'd love to go on a date once a month, if that. Too much. If you you wouldn't be so – like, if it's not too much trouble for you, kind sir. High-maintenance. (laughs) High-maintenance. Right, exactly. Does that make you, though, start to really, like, second-guess yourself? Like, maybe I am needy? So, no, what it actually did was make me really sad because I was like, the person I love sees me in such a negative light. I just don't understand. Mm -hmm. One, why do you still want to be with me? Two, why do I want to be with you? And it was this disconnect between the reality of what was taking place and, like, the love that was supposedly there. And so those two realities to this point, you know, point were not in congruence. And so I was really always stuck in like a, should I break up? I mean, he says he loves me or I'm supposed to think he does, but then he treats me like this, Mm -hmm. like I'm some toad asking for too much and I should be shunned and put in the cellar. Like it just was a really, um, it was a mind fuck because the reality was not there. But I want to go back to something you said. You brought up narcissists. A lot of people misconstrue narcissism with arrogance. What is an actual narcissist? Yes. So, and also let's differentiate between narcissistic personality disorder, which is actually a diagnosis versus the very common, my ex-boyfriend is such a narcissist. Like that's very, you know, separate things. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, So those narcissistic tendencies, that is when, so arrogance can be a component of narcissism, but somebody who is arrogant doesn't necessarily mean they're narcissistic. So it's, they are, these type of people are very self-absorbed. They're very worried about their image. Everything has to be their way or no way. Um, it, it is, and it, there's multiple categories. So it, grandiose, covert is actually the most common. And we see this in a lot of the um, caretaking professions, pastors, teachers, therapists, mm. um, because what they're getting from it is they're feeling like they're really important. They're being put on a pedestal because of the work that they do. So that is a narcissistic tendency. I have plenty of narcissistic tendencies. But you, you personally? Yes, as do you, as do you, as do you, we all do. And that's, that is the craziest thing. If somebody, they always say, 
if somebody refuses, and I dated somebody once when we had this conversation, um, if somebody refuses to identify like at all, they're like, mm -hmm. I, I can't even sort of relate with narcissistic tendencies. You're a motherfucking narcissist. Narcissist. Yes. <laughs> like, Wait, so that's all of Los Angeles. All of Los Angeles is like, I hate those people. You are those people. You are all of those people. Yeah, it just sounds like there's a lot of like, subdivisions between all, all of this stuff. It's like so many things fall under so many of the different. Yeah. It's all a continuum. I mean, okay. it really yeah. is. All of the behaviors, like all of that. And so, again, that's why. That's why it's so important that we're not just like, oh, that person's a manipulator because, mm. again, we all are a manipulator. But are they willing to take ownership? Are they willing to recognize it? Are they willing to change it? Again, that's what matters. Okay. So what about the term victim uh, victim mentality? Like a lot of people throw that one around like, you're just being a victim. Stop being a victim. Like it's pretty self-explanatory, but let's get into the actual definition and like how to avoid it or stay away from it or stop doing it if you're Yeah, and so yourself. the victim and the martyr mindset go together um, and they fall again under that narcissistic tendency type thing. But the victim mindset is when like everything is being done to you. Like it, everything is a slight, everything is to hurt you. So let's say somebody forgot to text you back because they were bogged down with work, right? And your response to that is like, you hate me, you don't care about me, like you're such a horrible partner. And they're like, yo, I got caught up in a work thing, Yeah, right? why aren't I and, the priority? Yes, right. right. And so that... The victim mindset, which is also really interesting because often we have like the perpetrator, which is the person with those narcissistic tendencies, and then we have the victim. Both of them play the victim role because even the person doing it will often deflect and make it about how they're the victim. But the person who is constantly playing the victim role on the other side is just as irritating to me mm. because again, why are you allowing it? Why are you staying there? Why are you giving your power away? Um, so the victim mentality can be seen on both sides, if that makes sense. Yes. And absolutely. then the, the martyr, which is kind of like the cousin of that is like, um, okay, fine. We'll go where you want to go again. We always go where you, let's go. Come on. We'll Ooh. go where you want to go. Versus okay, that is giving very much like you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. How do you come out from like the martyr victim mentality if you're in this like circular situation where both people are showing up very, I don't, I don't know, it's like juxtaposes, but also feeds it. So where do you mm -hmm. get out? Self-awareness. <laughs> I mean, there has to be, there has to be an awareness that it's happening. That, that is the first and foremost, um, and I think the distinction between some of that cute, like, you know, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know where you want to go. I always, you know, some of those are just little banters. <laughs> Rob is disgusted by that. But some of that is just like bantering. Whereas when it starts to create resentment, when you are like literally disgusted by that other person because of this behavior that keeps happening, that's when we know it's it's now no longer cute. It's dysfunctional. Mm. Okay, so I have a question. I have a friend who is <laughs> definitely a victim. Like, it's excessive. It's a, a serious issue. And there is zero chance that I could help th this person at all. But 
it needs professional attention because it's bigger than that. But how do, so basically what I'm saying is I'm for sure that this person has the victim mentality. How do I tell them this is a problem? Or if you're in a relationship and you notice a behavioral pattern in your partner who's constantly victimizing, like, how do you tell them? Or do you not? It depends what what your relationship and level of safety is with that person. Because the first question really to ask yourself is, why is this my job to tell them? If it's bothering me, then why am I not just setting boundaries and spending less time with them or not? You know, if it's your partner, that's difficult. But if it's a friend, okay, if I notice this is a trait that really bothers me about this person, stop hanging out with that person. Um, so I think that's first just checking in on why is that your job? Now, let's say it's like your best friend in the world and you are concerned about them. What I often suggest is having, (laughs) having a safe conversation, like asking, is it a good time to talk and saying, you know, preparing them that it's a hard conversation. And then you tell them again, using the I statements. So the not, not putting them on the attack, but really coming from a place of your experience, But the thing with this is you get one, maybe two, and then you're out. Like, then you're done because now you're the victim to the victim. So, like, if they don't catch on to it, the boundary is set. And and usually if you decide to have a second, it's very appropriate. I mean, you could do it in the first, but you set that boundary. Like this is something that's really hard for me to be in relationship with you because of. And so if you're not able to seek help, or if we continue talking about the same topic, whatever the case, I'm not going to be able to be an active part of that because it's taking a toll on my mental health now. Yeah. So tell Jen to her face, but only only let her her (laughs) one time. All right. So now that we did uh, gaslighting and uh, under, underscore narcissistic and martyr and victim, which were added bonuses. Um, I want to know about breadcrumbing. That's the other one that I hear about a lot that I'm always like, I know what that means, but then I don't really know what that means. So breadcrumbing is really that um, kind of like what Jen was saying earlier with the, it's the words over actions. So it's trying to convince that this is enough, like this should meet your need. Um, Often somebody who breadcrumbs is going to give just enough to keep somebody maybe hooked, somebody interested, but not enough to actually meet their needs. So they might send the text here or there that kind of pulls them back in, or they might, you know, they've been nagged long enough, so I'm going to take you on the date, but I'm not going to take you on the weekly date. Um, so it's like the, <laughs> Jen. Jen is like, I'm really triggering her right now. I apologize. <laughs> but it is like, it's giving just enough that that person really does question their reality and they stay attached, but they're constantly like, my need is, needs are not actually being met here. Mm. So can, why can would somebody you... do that though? Like why breadcrumb? Why not just either cut it or make it a thing? Well, somebody I think, a little bit I, think I might be a breadcrumber. But is it a commitment <laughs> issue or is it, what is that? I don't know. I see. And this is, this is, I had so many questions pop up while you were explaining it. Cause I'm like, okay, I get it. But then I was like, Oh God, do I do it? I think I might do it. And then it's like, do I do it drunk? Yes. Do I do it sober? Mm. No. So it's like, and then am I a narcissist because I'm wanting that attention to keep coming back to me? No, because you just asked the question, am I a narcissist? So therefore, if you have the awareness to even ask it, you're likely not, but okay. you likely are demonstrating narcissistic tendencies. Tendencies, yes. So, okay. So, yeah, I, I, to answer your question, Jen, I feel like I do it 
be, like because you, like there there might be times where there's people that you want in your life but you don't want to lose them in your life but then you're not sure exactly where those lines of relationship and commitment lie so that you give them what they want enough and then but when it comes to like the big jump and leap into whatever it is that they're asking for you can't do it so wouldn't you say then that breadcrumbing goes like in tandem or like it's an ugly sister of uh gaslighting because it sounds very similar yeah no it it absolutely is because it's getting it's getting someone they're constantly questioning the reality is Rob really into me or is he not? Is he interested this time or is he just drunk? Like, yeah, but I'm still showing up at seven o'clock. Like I said, like I'm, I'm not like up ma- where, but <laughs> my point is, <laughs> is that I'm not like, I'm not making them question the, I, I, I guess I understand it a little bit, but see, this is where our minds are so different because like I'm saying I'm, I understand breadcrumbing because I'm giving you a little bit of what you're asking for and not the whole thing. Right. Give me yes. little pieces of the of the muffin and not the whole muffin. But yes. I'm not making you think the muffin doesn't exist. I'm just not giving okay, you the whole thing. So let's look at it from the flip side. So this is not saying that you're the bad guy. You are doing this because you are also getting your needs met. In those moments, you're craving connection. You're craving attention, whatever it is. So you're putting out just enough to receive that. Mm-hmm. So is it a little bit fucked up? Well, yeah, because if that other person is more interested in you and you just keep giving them enough so that they pay attention to you, but you really have no intention of fully giving them what they're asking for, then yeah, that's kind of not cool. But on the flip side of it, why does that person keep allowing it? Like, mm-hmm. why do they keep engaging? If they know this is Rob's pattern, then why do they keep engaging with Rob? Now that's on them. But also then, okay, so Rob had an answer when I asked him that question, right? And he explained himself as to why he does the breadcrumbing bit. But right. wouldn't that then constitute justifying and justifying's on those lists? But why is justifying not just explaining your case? No, and that's a good point because the way that he just explained it, I don't believe is in the same category as justifying because he's able to take ownership of it as he's, he's saying, yeah, actually I do that. Let me help you to understand why I do that. Whereas justifying is when somebody is pointing out a behavior that you don't like and there there's no like ownership, there's no awareness of how that could be hurtful. There's no validation of that person's feelings. Like, so with your ex, like, yeah, damn Jen, I can really understand why that would hurt your feelings that I'm not taking you out like you're asking you know, let me help you to understand what's going on for me and let's collaborate to come up with a solution. That's not what happened for you. So that's a totally different experience. So the justifying is complete lack of ownership. It's like if I just said, it's like if I just said, if I stopped it as that I, I, I was drunk, right? Sure. Yep. If I just stopped Perfect. it right there and was like, I'm breadcrumbing. Oh, I didn't mean it. I was drunk. Like that was, instead of being like, Oh, I know why I'm doing it outside of just being drunk. I'm only, I'm just acting on it when I'm drunk but I know why I'm doing it. But that's a really common, I, when I post stuff about justifying, I probably get the most pushback. People get real pissed when you point out that, you know, justifying is not an okay, like justifying your inappropriate behaviors is, is not okay. Even if you were triggered, even if you were hurt. And there's often a really common struggle with understanding the difference. And that's usually where I take it back to. Like if you can take ownership and validate how it's impacting other people, that's not the same thing. I mean, 
goes back to like what we were saying before about the spectrum. There's like so many nuances to everything, which is why it's so criminal, basically, to accuse people and label people of these things. One, when you don't really know the spectrum. And two, you yourself are now doing some form of it. Um, But how do you get away from calling these things out then in such a labeling way and sort of just working through them little by little? Like if you're faced with it and- This should be like a homework sheet when you first start dating somebody. You should get like a list of all these things and then you hand them out with all the definitions under and and then you just go over them together and just be like, okay, so this is now that we know what these are and then put it on the fridge and then you have all your arguments next to the fridge. I mean, I tell people put this type of stuff on your bathroom mirrors, put it like on your desk, put it. I tell people to put it places that they can see it so that they, but also so that they're aware of when they're doing it as well. And I agree that we, we can't keep labeling people, but um, also you can imagine how probably not fun it is to date me, which is maybe goes into why I'm single um, because I am going to point that out. Victim. Victim mentality. (laughs) I am, I am going to say when somebody is, Gaslighting when somebody's manipulating. Yeah, but they, but I they would listen to, to you, Doctor Liz. They, I can't be like Doctor Liz. I can't be having a fight with you in a relationship. Be like, you're wrong. Be, yeah. You're like, an, you're like that. I yeah, understand. that's what they tell me, Rob. Thanks for really feeding into my singleness. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say. I, I don't think I'm too fun to be with. However, I will say so, this guy I was dating recently. He he was able to. So a guy I dated prior, if I had pointed out it. It was full blown, like no way, no how. And so that's kind of what I got used to. And that really messed with me. But this person I was dating recently, when I would express to him, this is what was going on. He would stop and say, like, you're right. Okay, I get it. Yep. Okay, I see exactly what you mean. That was such a game changer for my psyche to. And that is kind of like the whole point of these posts for people is like, it's not about finding a partner who doesn't do it. They're going to do it. Find a partner who can acknowledge it wasn't okay and talk about it with you. I always tell people when I first starting in the beginning, I'm like, if you come, I match energies. So if you're going to come at me yelling and screaming and calling names, I'll probably react the same way. But if you sit me down and have like a justifiable conversation and point out flaws, then I'll be like, okay, that actually makes sense. Cause I'm not in a rage state. I'm in or, or, or a defensive state. I'm in an, educational state um their safety what what is double block double bind the one that jen thinks is sexual which we should get into later (laughs) this one is so crazy layered and like i didn't even i wouldn't even know what to do (laughs) if you know what to do about that says james (laughs) so a a double bind is when somebody presents you with two equally really shitty options and are basically like so which is it? So an example of that would be, well, last night you told me that you didn't like this, but now you're saying that you do. So were you lying then or are you lying now? Oh. Like, okay, well, that sucks. Like there's not really a good place to take that. You know, or they put you in a position of – um they don't want to ask for your help around the house because they think you should just know – what needs to be done. And Mm. so then they won't ask you, but then they're going to get mad at you when you don't do it. Mm. Or 
they will ask you to do it. And then when you go to do it, they say, well, that's not good enough because I had to ask you. Mm. So either way, damned if you do, damned if you don't is the double bind. Oh, damned if you do, damned if you don't. That makes sense. That makes sense. How do you... How do you re- how do you respond to that, Liz? Like, if someone says your first example, so last night you said you liked it, and today you don't. So, were you lying then, or are you lying now? And you realize that's a double bind, or you're just what a liar. You just stop what lying. Could your response be like? Well, what I would say <laughs> would be that I'm allowed to change my mind. So potentially, I gathered new information since last night till today, and so since that happened. I've now shifted my perspective since last night and I'm allowed to change my mind. However, most people aren't shifting. That's probably not going to come to their mind that quickly. And so often what I encourage people to say is to point it out. Like you're putting me in a really bad position. That's not fair. Like that's, I'm not lying. I feel like that I am being put into a really bad position. You're double binding me, unbound me. (laughs) <laughs> I think pointing it out is is really helpful. But then also uh, something I go back to a lot is like the and can exist. So something could have happened last night and something different could have happened today. And both can be simultaneously true. Mm-hmm. You did do a post about that. Like there are multiple realities that can exist yeah. because we're very nuanced people and have layers and all the things. But um, the it, a lot of relationship stuff gives me like the same rules of improv. Yes. And so if you were to actually have self-awareness, then somebody might call you out and you might say, yes, and I'm sorry, I will not double bind you again (laughs) in the future because Jen, you're, you're just, you're just saying that people should just go take improv classes. No, that's actually brilliant. And I use that in session. No, I'm sorry. She's now the star student. So you're going to have to just relax a little. (laughs) The yes and I get, but to be imp- like improvising on the spot, that's dangerous. <laughs> no, but that's not the point. The point is that you can receive what they're saying and what you're saying is true and hear, hear my perspective as well. <laughs> but yeah, I get your point. I mean, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I want to get into love bombing because that is literally the exact opposite of breadcrumbing. It could be both. Right? Or it's pretty opposite. It's like on the other end of the spectrum. Um, so first I need to say that love bombing, I mean, I Ugh. don't know how people tolerate that, at least for more on the receiving end, at least like maybe the first couple moments of it, but after like a certain amount of time – I, that is major ick factor for me. Like back the fuck up. You're grossing me out. It's a major turnoff. So we're going to go over what it is. But Dr. Liz, like I personally think if you're accepting the love bomb, then you're more fucked up than the love bomber. Well, because I am like, what is wrong with you? Okay. So I can see, I can see your perspective on that. Um, So I agree with you. Like I'm so like on the dating apps, that's like one of the biggest, if you use a pet name with me, like, first of all, if we're still on the dating app and you're using a pet name, like get the fuck out of here with that. But if you use it like within the first couple sentences, ew. And so I, I agree, but you might be with me on falling a little more on the avoidant, um, attachment style side because somebody with a more anxious attachment style, they, 
they often like it because it is providing reassurance, it's providing acceptance, it's esteeming them. And so that's people often will get sucked into it. But my my personal problem is, is that I cannot accept these things from you that don't feel correct in our moment of time. Like this feels inauthentic, even if it's you're wrapping up in a cute package because it's like positive things you're saying. Like, I agree. We're not there yet. So you're freaking me out. What's it your time frame like, for love bombing? Is like there a, a time frame? Pressure. Yeah. It feels like. Not you. You. <laughs> well, I'm just. No. I, okay. Yeah. Because I think it's okay to be kind of like affectionate or very excited like some for somewhat in like maybe the beginning stages but i'm asking like professionally that- dr liz is there usually a time frame involved with love bombing it, like, it like you early. said a couple of sentences in, in and you're still on the dating apps i get that but what if it's a month and a half in and you just these and you guys are getting along really well and the feelings are there do you know what i mean yes but so the difference again going back to it being nuanced is that Love bombing is when it's being done basically to to suck somebody in. So it's mm. being done in a way to get them attached, to get them hooked to you. Okay. And so there's no specific time frame for it, but it usually happens early on. But we see cases of it happening the first couple of weeks to maybe it could be happening for a year. Like it just really depends on the situation. But basically it's when it's happening very early on, it's being done with the intention of getting somebody to feel attached to you, to feel, um, re- I mean, that's really it, sucking them in. And so when you think about it in terms of different personalities are going to respond to it in different ways, um, but it's just this over to- over the top behavior. So it's, and you have, you had written here to be clear, it's providing an excessive or an even overwhelming amount of compliments, praise, or gifts for the purpose of manipulation. So, Rob, it is not just affection. It is like an overwhelming amount that would make somebody uncomfortable. And that's what I'm saying. Like, my my question to you, Liz, is if you're accepting this overwhelming amount of praise and compliments and gifts and it's like excessive like yeah and she, like she said like, like anxious accepting it she also. said yeah, that's right. like anxious <laughs> behavior like you want that, that you need that you you've out. been searching for it for so long and now all of a sudden somebody's they're the prince in in you know in africa that's going to give you every all the money that you want you know it's like <laughs> i mean i watch a whole show called catfish to fucking about this shit like it, it and it's really that they're meeting on the online or you know on an app and then they're just i love you 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 they never even meet But those people are looking for that, you know? A lot of times when there's like a clear difference, even in like maybe somebody's like out of your league, so to speak. So let's just use an example of like a a really beautiful woman and the man is maybe wealthy, but he's not so beautiful, you know? And so she's maybe considered out of his league. So he might overly indulge her. And yeah, she probably will be accepting of it because she is liking everything he's providing, but he's doing it because he feels that she's out of his league. And so he's trying to, it's compensatory behavior to suck her in. So he's not, he's not doing it like, cause you hear the word love bombing. You, you, you think bomb, you think everything's going to explode at one, at some point. Right. So he's not doing it to purposely manipulate that person into being with them for a short amount of time. It's it doesn't matter what what the what the length of intention is it's what you're doing to get 
the fish on the hook. Yeah, because it's different motivators for sure. Like what like what is his motivation? Right. But how can you tell then if somebody's doing it for manipulation purposes or if they're just genuinely like a hopeless romantic, they wear their heart on the sleeve, they fall fast. Rob, don't you fall fast? Isn't that a thing? I fall fast. Yes, I fall fast. Yes. Okay. Well, you can one day be but I hold in the love bombing. Like I'm I'm aware of the feelings fast, but I don't express them necessarily fast. Well, you don't fear. also want to be rejected. With the intention, though, but with the intention of yeah. sucking. How do you know that that's happening, where, where that they're trying to suck you in versus they just really feel that way? Well, so that's where the person on the receiving end needs to have their own boundaries and needs to have their own awareness around the situation. Because somebody who is coming in that hard, that fast, that quickly, that is concerning. And so we need to be aware of, like, why are they giving me this much? Why are they saying all these really over-the-top nice things so there needs to be an awareness on on both sides of it. But it's not to say that somebody who isn't so my ex-husband, for example, he is just he's the kindest, sweetest man ever. But it's he's genuinely like that. So when he does things for me, when he takes care of me, shows up for me, gives compliments, it's it, he doesn't have malintent. It's not manipulative. Whereas I've had other men where they'll maybe do it in a way because they want the date or they or a man who wants that's really sexist a man or a woman who wants to get laid somebody you know they have there's something that they're wanting out of it and so that they're going to do what they have to do to get what they want that is love bombing got it totally clear okay i would also like to bring up stonewalling because i will admit that i am guilty of this um so i have a question about it but let's first define it and then I So that have... makes sense that you identify with stonewalling because that ties into the idea of probably having some avoidant behaviors, which is why the love bombing is so icky to you. So that that makes sense. So stonewalling is a when you isolate, you withdraw, but you do so in a way where like there is nothing breaking through that barrier. So no matter how many times they say sorry, no matter what they do to try to repair like you are just shutting them off. So it's a little bit different than like the cold shoulder because, you know, after the, after a fight, maybe you're kind of avoiding each other and you're like, no, I'm, you know, just not going to talk to you right now. But they come over and they're like, babe, can we talk? I'm sorry. Like, and you're okay, let's talk. That's different than stonewalling is just like, literally you are shut off. There's nothing that can be said or done to get you to re-engage um, until you're ready. Because people who stonewall, whether it's a usually a few days, whatever that looks like, their wall will come back down, which is a, a huge part of really what screws with the other person. Um, but that's the distinction. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So I think I may be somewhere in between because it's a little more than silent treatment, cold shoulder, but it's definitely not like if my partner would come up to me and be like, okay, right. I'm sorry. I'm not like, huh? you know what I mean? Like I'll give in. But my issue is, is that if I'm having an argument with somebody and I feel upset, especially if the argument usually is circular and not getting resolved and it just has to come to a conclusion for whatever purpose, time or whatever, or we need a break, then I 
don't be, I'm not going to be like, okay, arguments done, light switch on. Now I'm like, okay, so anyway, honey, what do you want to watch? Like, I can't do that. Like my husband actually can. And to me, it kind of weirds me out. I'm like, hello, were you not just here like three seconds ago? And he's like, okay, bye, honey, going to work now. I'm like, bye. Like, like, I'm still annoyed. And like, I feel like if I don't, this is going to, I don't know how to articulate it, but if I don't act annoyed, then I'm telling you it's okay. And the problem's just resolved. And now we don't ever have to talk about it again. And we don't have to like, I'm acting okay. So, but I'm not okay. I'm annoyed and I need time. So it does take me a hot second to start acting normal and communicative again but it's not like days on end communicated that what have you so i have a whole post on that when you're not ready to move on after your feelings are hurt or after conflict like you can communicate that like i recognize you know we got to take care of the kids so we got stuff to do but i do need you to understand like my feelings are still hurt and i want to talk about this later got it so i feel like i'm a victim of stonewalling (laughs) and that in it, it feels incredibly controlling, or maybe I'm just combining a bunch of different things because at this point, it's a treasure trove of all the terms. But for me, stonewalling has felt like someone has taken my voice away. They've decided, we'll talk when I want to talk. When you want to talk, that's not happening. Too bad. I'm in control of the message and the conversation. And when we will make up, if we make up, then also I'm in, it's almost using it for punishment sake. And that to me is so painful and frustrating when somebody takes my voice or like put the baby in the corner essentially, because it one, I like to resolve things pretty quickly actually and bounce back. Maybe I'll be a little bit of residual annoyance or whatever the case may be, but I don't want to stay in that place forever. So to me, the sooner we get out of it, the better, especially if we're not drinking or in a place where like you probably shouldn't have that conversation if you can have it. But is that not like some form of control? And also how do you then address to somebody, you are stonewalling me and get a response because it sounds like they're already in a phase. I feel, I feel stonewalled. I feel. feel. (laughs) Well, I feel rejected. I feel, I feel powerless. I feel there's a lot of words that can come along with that because you're absolutely right. When somebody does that, it is absolutely a controlling behavior. And the worst part about stonewalling, so there are statistics that talk about when somebody stonewalls that that creates the same type of intensity as like physical pain, especially for somebody who has abandonment issues already. Because what that is doing, it is triggering the core of your trauma because they are literally abandoning you in that moment. They're saying, I don't care. I don't care where you're at. I don't care how this is impacting you. All I care about is myself right now. And so you're right. It's also used as a punishment technique. So everything you just said is completely valid and completely accurate. And the way that that's addressed is that that person has to have an understanding that they have the tendency of doing that and they have to be willing to not do it anymore because there's nothing you can do on your end. So even to say like, it feels like they took my voice away. All of that is true. But if they're not willing to do it differently, if they're not willing to say like, Jen, your feelings matter to me so much that even when I'm in this place, like I'm going to connect with you that you can't do anything about that. That is on them to decide. It sounds like, I mean, look, we are a big advocate of therapy on this show 
everybody should be in some sort of uh, situation where they can talk to somebody. We're a big advocate of coaches on this show too. And I think if anything out of this podcast that we got, which is also an immense amount of education, especially on these words that we use as, as punishments and as weapons is that if you're going to get into a relationship with somebody, even if you're in it now early or you're three years in with kids or whatever, get a coach, get some, I mean, even, you know, for your body, you have physical trainers. If you're playing a sport, you have a coach. There's always somebody that no matter how good you think you are, you can always be taught better. And especially if there's a third party involved teaching you both these things, then it's easier to acknowledge it in the moment. Otherwise, if one person's just saying it, the other person doesn't know what the fuck you're saying. They're only going to take it a certain way. Yeah. Right. I, I often say that there are a handful of universal red flags. These are abusive behaviors. They are, you know, physical, sexual, they mental, they it's it's abuse. Um, it is boundary violation. Like we could go through these these universal ones, but beyond that. Everybody has red flags. And the difference is your awareness around your red flags and your willingness to do something about it. So if you have a partner and you both are showing up with red flags, but you can identify, I have an anxious, you have an avoidant attachment. When we get into conflict, this is how we both react because of it. So I'm going to start doing this different. Okay, good. I'm going to start doing this different. Okay, that's at least a starting place. That doesn't mean you guys aren't going to mess up. It doesn't mean you're not going to have conflict, but you both are aware of it and you're both willing to change it. And so I think that that is, you know, to Rob's point in, in terms of having a coach or that person to guide you, to help you talk through it, work through it, um, that's really important. But also stop expecting to find the perfect partner because you are going to be shit out of luck. It does not exist. And also just admit that like you do these things too. So get out of the blame shame game and just be part of the partnership where you're working together to make each other better. It's not just like a one-sided thing. It's not, um, you're part of a team. It's not, there's no right. competition. Right. There's How can no we grow together? Keeping if you're score. not growing together, you're growing apart. So yeah. what can you do to yeah. collaborate on these issues versus making it a competition. And also, you know, going back to you guys being single and choosing it, I think I, I just was talking to two single girlfriends and they're like, well, what's living together? Like, I'm like, honestly, if we were not a good fit, this would be very, very hard because of all the communication and working through like just adjustments to things. It's a life-changing thing. So I would say to anybody listening, choose being single. If you don't find somebody who's in therapy that you can communicate with because like right. your point, it's speaking a different language. And also one person might have self-awareness than the other, but if only one person does, then are you constantly, you know, bending over to somebody else's whims and double binding yourself? Like, I just don't think that that's true. worth your time because if that person doesn't want to spend time working on themselves, how can they spend time working on your relationship? In my opinion. And, and then how healthy and evolved are you really if you're keeping yourself in a dysfunctional relationship, even if you're identifying as so self-evolved and developed, but you're choosing a dysfunctional relationship. That's speaking about it, speaking of evolving, I let so many sexual innuendos go during this podcast. <laughs> Why though? 
I, I that, just that's did. That's the real question. I don't, I don't know you well enough yet, Dr. Liz. If you come, when you come back and I'm here, then I will sexual innuendo the whole thing. I let so many go. So many. You just, you just said bent over and double binding. Your, your, your. Well, we, her, well just, there's, there's a lot of them. There's a lot. Clearly, we need to have Dr. Liz back on again because this was obviously very insightful, and Rob needs to let those sexual innuendos just whip out. So we're gonna do this again. But until then, Liz, you've got podcasts and websites and coaching. Please let everyone know where they can find you and access all of those helpful things. Sure. So my Instagram at Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick, and then my website is DrElizabethFedrick.com. Um, my podcast is Relatable Relationships Unfiltered, very similar conversation to what we just had. And I'm going to have to have you guys all come join me because um, very similar content. And we just normalize the human experience and um, you know, talk about everyday relationships. I've, I've always said that I'm when, once I find my person, the first thing I'm going to do is go back to my therapist or find a coach to like help. So like when I'm in a conversation, I can be like, Oh, that, okay. I want to respond this way. I probably shouldn't. And then go to that person and be like, how should I respond? You know? And then I can go back and have an educated conversation, but how far into the, do you suggest finding somebody at like yourself? How far into the relationship? Yeah. Well, I start, I work with a lot of single people. I work like really proactively. And so, you know, we do a lot of the work early on to have this awareness. And then when you get into a relationship, um, and what I really love is when I'm working with somebody and they do get into a relationship and we're already doing the work because we're, you know, addressing stuff immediately. Um, but I always say it's never too soon. I tell people that all the time, like, probably want to be committed. It's going to get a little weird if not, but like, is if you're in a committed relationship, I don't think it's ever too soon. Like, Hey, let's just go do a check-in on, on what could come up. You know, what, what are we both bringing to the table? There's a lot of value in that. Or suggest your podcast or podcast, you know, on, on a trip or something, right? Just kind of, yeah. oh, I've been really listening to this one. You don't have to be like, I think we should listen to this one. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about, but it's like, oh, I've, I've been listening to this one, right? Yes. Or you can say, yeah, I've been listening to this one. I would love if you could listen because this would make for great conversation. Like I would love for us to explore these topics together. Well, we would love for everyone to keep listening to our podcast as well because <laughs> we talk about this kind of shit all the time. And it's so, we're so, so, so grateful and thankful to have guests like Dr. Liz on the show. We, for our, us personally, selfishly, and for all you guys listening, because we just love continuing to educate ourselves, educating ourselves and you guys, and especially on things like this. Now we can all use these terms correctly, guys. And if you need a little refresh, go back to Dr. Liz's Instagram and you can find this post and look at them all. But do not forget to keep tuning into It's Complicated, where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff every week. And while you're there, please rate, comment, subscribe and share with your friends so we can all join the class of master daters. And if you want to follow us on social media, follow us at complicated show and Rob, where can everyone find everybody you? can find me at forever Zevers F O R E V E R S E V O R S on Instagram. And you can find me at Jennifer golden on all of the social meds. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meds as well. And we will be back next week and hopefully soon again with dr liz dr liz thank you so much 
Thank you guys. I appreciate it. This was a fun conversation. My favorite thing to talk about. So I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to It's Complicated. And now that we're going steady, come back next week for another date with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers.